Drogo. Just one taste and you'll Cali see what we mean. A golden cow that men should tremble to behold. Cow Drogo. It's the best beef in the Great Grass Sea. Welcome to Audio Drama Showcase, part of the StoryForge Network. I'm Scooter Mann, and with me are Diana Rands. Here. Matt Olaf Hinton. That's me. Maggie Allen. Present. And Max the Baskin. Where? This show is brought to you thanks to the support of our wonderful patrons. Today we'll be listening to Unwell, which premiered in February of 2019 and was created by Eleanor Hyde and Jeffrey Nils Gardner. This is the newest show from Heartlife NFP, which they created after ending their popular series, Our Fair City, and follows the story of Lily, a young woman who came to a tiny town in rural Ohio to take care of her mother, Dot, the owner of a boarding house who broke her ankle in a fall. This is episode two, The Diner, which was originally published on February 21st, 2019. Okay, let's get started. Hi there, folks. This is Jeffrey Gardner. And this is Eleanor Hyde. We're the executive producers of Unwell. This episode is brought to you by the Lagunitas Brewing Company's Chicago Taproom and Beer Sanctuary. Come for fresh beer, live music, and killer food Wednesdays through Sundays, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Bring a group and hop on a brewery tour seven days a week. Swing by the Lagunitas Taproom in Pilsen or find some near you at Lagunitas.com. Life is uncertain. Don't sip. Thanks, Lagunitas. Thank you for listening to Unwell. Your support means the world to us. And if you could take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the show right now, that would be really fantastic. It helps us reach new people. Or just take a minute and tell your friends about the show and what you like about it. That helps a lot, too. What's all that clanking? Who's in the pantry? God, tell me it's not rats. Rodents, if you don't scram ASAP, I'm crushing skulls. It's just me. Ow! Lily, get out of there. Careful on the stairs. Stop snooping through my stuff. Okay, this, this can, Mom, you could sell this can on eBay and make a fortune. Azodicarbonamide. That is not a legal ingredient anymore. Gives it flavor. Are you joking? If you're hungry, I'll heat you up some casserole, but don't mess with all the cans. Someone is going to get sick. This one says expires May 1998. Lillian, they're not dented and bulging. I really think they're fine. You're not supposed to eat them after they expire. Everyone knows canned food doesn't go bad, Lillian. Then why do they print an expiration date on there? Lily, they just don't want to get sued. By people who get sick from eating expired canned goods. Why are you messing around with the cans anyway? You're just being nosy. I'm going to go buy some on eBay and mix them up in here just so you go, Oh, Mom, you're losing it. This expired in 1938. Funny. What, are you hungry or something? I mean, it's dinner time. Come on, I'll heat you up some casserole. I threw them away. You threw them away? Even the handballs one? I just That one was good. They've been in the fridge for four days. So? So I threw them out. I'm helping you. You need to relearn what that word means. I'm 
protecting you. Really, three days is the maximum you want to keep food in there. I let you keep them you for an extra- You only keep shit in your fridge for three days? I don't keep any shit in my fridge, Mom. That's why we You're invented crazy. septic systems. Who raised you? Uh-huh. Okay. Lillian, I think what we're all trying to say is that the casseroles were a symbol of love for you from the town. And it was a shame to waste them. That's all. I can't all. believe you threw away free food. I had to. It's a safety thing. Since when do you have such a stick up your ass about food This safety? is basic sanitation. They had a few more days before they were truly a health You were hazard. going to wait till you got sick? You'd wait till I was driving you to the hospital, and then you'd say, then you'd say, hey, I think it's time to toss all those casseroles, huh? Sorry. The ghosts also mourn the loss of the handballs, Wes. Whom do I thank for throwing away the casseroles? Abby, meet Lily. Eternal thanks. They are becoming a non-option. Lily's the other boarder. And her daughter. Abby, cool. Nice to meet you. So you're boarding here? Yep. All right. I'm digging this Virginia Woolf vibe going on. Every gal with a room of her own. Person with a room of their own, in my case. Oh, I'm so sorry. There. Sorry. That's all right. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I said her when I didn't know what yes. you're correct. Help me I should have asked. <laughs> I'm sorry. Too many apologies make it weird. Sorry. Mom, put those cans back in the trash where I'm dumping them down the toilet. Fine. She was always so dramatic. Okay. Who wants food? I'll get some takeout. From where? From a restaurant, Wes. But Sunrise is closed. Yeah, well, good. I'm not eating blueberry scones for dinner. But there's nowhere else. There's something open. This is a small town. Simple people, simple pleasures. There's no late-night steakhouses or 24-hour diners. Except for the 24-hour diner on Ash. Yes, that would be magically convenient, but it's not that kind of town. There is a 24-hour diner. It's on Ash and 3rd, called Hunter's. Sounds meat-forward, so not for me, but for those who eat the flesh of the innocent, sure. There's no diner. Yes, there is. There's no diner. There's I none. just drove no past diner. it yesterday, and I've been driving fact, past it no for diner. the last month. It's not that kind of town. I don't know what that means. Wes, honey, it's okay. It's nice. A new place opened up. A 24-hour diner. I would have loved that in high school. Where is it? Ash and 3rd? Yep. That's impossible. Ash and 3rd. Got it. All right, I think I'm just going to walk. You can't walk. It's two miles. Back in a bit. What am I doing here? Oh, man. Oh, man, oh, man. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Good. What's going on? Mom's driving me up a tree and you can't walk anywhere here. You used to like going to that ice cream place in town. Yeah, the house is not in town. Remember the place you dropped me off at every summer? Remember how creepy and old and middle of nowhere and literally right next door to a cemetery it was? <laughs> I do. Yeah, she's still living there. And the ice cream place closes at like noon. So... You are doing a good thing being there for her. How'd she manage to guilt trip me this hard? She wasn't even around. You spent summers with her. She called. She sent letters. 
She did what she could. I just don't see why I have to feel sorry for her. She never... Ah! There's all of a sudden all these nets. I think one's in my mouth. <laughs> okay. Hang in there, darling. Better out than in. At least it's not a pair of rabbit dogs. Ugh, this place is wild. Well, you're a wild kid, so you'll fit right in. <laughs> Thanks. Lily Bell, look, she's a good person, you're a good person. There's no crime in the two of you helping each other out. I don't need her help. Maybe you need someone to talk to. You've both been through some hard stuff. What? And it might be good to hash it off. Dad? Hello? Dad? Shit. Ugh, where is this place? Hey. Abby. Right. I remember from 20 minutes ago. You want a ride? Thanks, but I just need to be alone for a bit. It's going to get dark pretty soon. Have you ever been out at night in a dark sky town? I've been outside at night before, yes. But you can't see anything in a dark sky town. Nothing but the stars and shadows. No houses. No street lights. And the thoughts in your head suddenly sound really loud. Huh. Not to mention all the bird and insect and animal noises. Got it. And there's this strange sensation when you walk around. The darkness presses in all around you. Is it a hug or gentle suffocation? Okay, you've convinced me. No, I like it. I just know it freaks some people out, and I thought you should be aware. Cool, thanks. Yeah, I'll take a ride. Faster. I can't stand this jingle. It plays all the time. Just listen to a podcast or something. Eh, it's legitimate data. Are you researching the town? I am. I received a grant to examine the architectural landscape of small towns in varying levels of decay. Why? Because my expenses must be paid uh, no, for. No, no. Why is this important to you? Do you think that anything can be done for this place? For rural small town decay? Of course. There should be, and this is my eventual goal, doctors for small towns themselves who diagnose the problems, draw up a treatment plan, and cure. The doctorate I'm pursuing is in history with a focus on urban planning, and with that background, hopefully... Doctorate? Jesus. You can't throw enough knowledge at this problem. We can fix rural blight. The answers are in contemporary data and the primary documents of the past. It just requires study. The best paths for the future lie in our past. Huh. If you get a doctorate in anything, do people still have to call you doctor? Yes. That's cool. What's your area? What do I do for work, you mean? I'm a customer service rep for Spoodle. I work remotely. I'm sure you've heard me. Thank you for calling Spoodle Support. This is Lillian. Can I have the email address associated with your account? It's rude to eavesdrop, unless it's for science. 
There really isn't even like a pizza by the slice place here. Maybe in Julian? A Chinese place? No one thought to open one in the million years since I've been here. Julian might have one. Oh my god, that's like an hour away. I can't. I'm not driving you there, certainly. All right. Where's that diner? I don't know why Wes didn't believe me about this place. It'd be such a strange thing to lie about. When did it open? 40, 45 years ago? No, no, this definitely wasn't here when I was a kid. Hmm. Well, themed diners aren't uncommon, though I'm not sure who's nostalgic for 1970s wood paneling and orange carpet. But it even, like, smells old, don't you think? You're probably just smelling all the taxidermy. Welcome to Hunter's. Two for dinner? No, sorry. (laughs) Can we see a menu? We just want to get a few things to go. Dining in is optimal. Yeah, I bet. Uh, But we can't. Hungry people at home. Shame. Okay, I actually don't need a menu. Let's just get, I don't know, three cheeseburgers and fries and a grilled cheese. And onion rings. I'm afraid we don't have grilled cheese. Then a cheeseburger without the burger. (laughs) Very good. 16.72 is your total. Okay. Do you take cards? Cash only, I'm afraid. 3.28 is your change. Thanks. Let me give you something for this. That's okay. It was not expensive. Hello, ten minutes. Sounds great. So, I called about the tuck pointing. They gave me a quote. It sounds fair. Sure, do it. Can you throw clean sheets on Lily's bed? Uh, I have down that we're changing the linens on Saturday. Do you feel like we should move it up? No, it, it's all right. That used to make her feel better, but Saturday's fine. I should make her a cake. Um, most everything's in the trash. I should have baked one when she got here. This should feel like home. I'll put out some tea. Seriously, who thought wall-to-wall orange carpeting was the way to go? Sets the mood. Yeah, of a dusty, moldy... Hey, where's the... I have your order here, madam. Excuse me. Hi. Can I speak to the manager? I'm the proprietor. I noticed there's no sign about the results of your last health inspection. Do you have a sanitation certificate I could see? Ah, I guess you're from the big city, full of mistrust toward one's fellow man. I say there's no need for a health inspection. Okay, why? Because I am a gentleman. All right, let's just take our food and leave. Bye. Shame. They should have dined in. Would have been optimal.
What are the odds we're going to die if we eat this food? It's probably fine. It doesn't even feel that warm. It should be at least 145 degrees. One of the myriad advantages of vegetarianism, I anticipate minimal E. coli lurking in my grilled cheese, so please hand it over before I collapse from hunger. Seriously, so hungry. Just dig it out and I'll eat it right now. They just gave us four burgers. Vigilante meat-eating fox. Why the interest in sanitation? Does that come up a lot during Spoodle customer service? I worked as the assistant manager of a Starbucks a couple years ago and had to get my food sanitation certificate. It seems silly to worry about it, but people can get really sick, and it's so easy to prevent. So I can't just have one onion ring? No, I'm sorry. It's just, it's so dumb, I know, but I just would hate for anyone to get sick. My hunger is such that my stomach is on fire. I'm sorry. Eat and be merry, woodland creatures. But they won't. They'll probably all come down with trichinosis. Okay, so dinner, what's the plan? There's a 7-Eleven right outside of town. I can make a mean frozen pizza. Lily, are you back yet? We're here. We got some pizza. Give us 20 minutes to make it. 10 to 12 minutes. Every pizza is different. Where's the food? We're making a pizza. The diner was closed. So weird it might as well have been closed. We'll have something on the table soon. Drink some tea. Okay. I don't know what she's... What am I preheating it to? 425. Okay. Oh... This oven is old. You know, there are municipal water pipes in Philadelphia that are over 200 years old. Really? No. Yeah. Google it. They're made of wood. Wild. Hey, random, but what's your read on Wes? He's fine. Tidy. Polite. I feel like he's a Boy Scout. I don't know. He acts like he runs things. He kind of does. He doesn't. He's just the assistant curator of the house, or whatever mom calls him. He's a tour guide who knows where the brooms are. Can I just throw the pizza in now? I guess. It won't be as crispy, but it'll get done marginally faster. That's the goal. I think Wes is good for Dottie. He helps her find her crutches. It's unironically heartwarming. That's the thing. He treats her like an old lady. It's insane. She's only 62. What's that smell? What smell? Something's weird. Turn it off. No, why? It's still... Turn it off. It's still preheating. That's just... No, something's burning. It's just some cheese or something that's dripped. Why? There's smoke. There's no... Oh, shit. What the hell is that smell? What dial is it? It's just some cheese. It's just preheating. Are you burning down my goddamn house? How do you turn it off? Where's cancel? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Wes. There's no cancel. There's just a dial. I'll do it. Leave it closed. It'll burn itself out. Now let's open the back door. Abby, you want to fan it a little? Brooms are right here, so let's just give it a poke. And that's that. Put a fire extinguisher on the wall next to the stove. I'll do it tomorrow. All I did was turn it on. You're saying the oven just caught on fire? It's really old. 
You should get it replaced. I've used it every day for 24 years, and it's never started spewing out smoke two seconds after I started this using it. This is not my fault. Well, I don't know who else you can blame it on. The pizza was in there for five seconds. It was something else. Don't let the smoke out. Pizza still frozen, okay? So that wasn't what was on fire. That was probably still good. There's something metal in... Oh, wow. What? Oh. Who put a cake in the oven and forgot to turn it on? Oh, shit. You did this. I was making it for you. And then it, what, just slipped your mind? Forget I was coming? No. I have other things I'm doing, Lillian, other than sitting around waiting for you yeah, to grace I get me it. with I your presence. I get it. All right. So a pan of raw cake batter just burst into flames? Is that what happened? No. It spilled. You must have knocked the pan over when you put the pizza in. Thanks, Wes. There's cake batter all over the oven. Ripely aged cake batter. Oh, this is going to be tricky to clean. It might have dripped into the gas line. Lily. Try to blame this on me. Who doesn't check to see if there's anything in the oven? Who leaves stuff in the oven? I'll deep clean it tomorrow. It's fine. Wes, shut up. Don't talk to him like that. This was your fuck up. Don't talk to me like that. I don't have to be here. There's no court order anymore saying I have to see you. I know. Remember, I can leave whenever I want. I know. I want to stay, I need but- to be nicer or you'll leave. <sighs> no. No, see, that's not what I mean at all. I want to help you and just, it's hard sometimes, okay? Okay. I'm going upstairs. You want some cereal, Mom? I'm going to make myself some cereal. Dottie? Dottie, can I bring you something to eat? Isn't your arm getting tired? Nope. You look like the celery... Soda, light and crispy, and oh, so tasty. Treat me like the celery. Soda, drink me up and say hooray. So Lyric Bottling Works, Mount Absalom, Ohio. Sorry, stuck in my head. Smells going away. Yep. How's mom? She said she's going to bed. Why? She's been going to sleep pretty early recently. Did she have any dinner? She said she wasn't hungry. You gotta make her eat something. I can make her eat? I don't know. Okay. Night, Wes. Night. Seriously, I can fan the kitchen for a while. I'm really sensitive to smells. I'll just do it till it's gone. All right. What the hell is that? Evening. What's with the banjo? It's a banderine. Sure. I keep it here, in case we're a little light on tours. Nice. Lots of time to practice. The ghosts of Fenwood House don't get the attention they deserve. Shouldn't you, like, go home? Dottie's had trouble sleeping. I want to be here in case she needs me. Need you to what? Tuck her back in? Lillian, she's a good woman. She deserves kindness. Okay, here's a question. Why does everyone keep saying that? She's not. She left me. She had a job to do. Okay, well, I think she's done with her job, and now she's just an asshole. She's nervous because she wants to impress you. That's not... That's not what's going on. 
It's getting late. You need to just go home. I appreciate your concern. I'll leave in a bit. You want me to call your parents so they don't worry? No. Do you even have I already parents? called them. I have a phone. Okay. Night. Night. This episode features Shariba Rivers as Lily, Marsha Harmon as Dot, LaQuinn Groves as Dale, Michael Turrentine as Wes, Kathleen Hoyle as Abby, Ellie Maitland as Sebastian Orr as Written by Jessica Wright Buha. Sound design by Eli McElveen. Directed by Jeffrey Nils Gardner. Music composed by Stephen Poon. Recording engineer, Mel Ruder. Unwell lead sound designer, Ryan Sheely. Executive producers, Eleanor Hyde and Jeffrey Nils Gardner. By HeartLife NFP. Unwell is supported by our listeners at Patreon. You can support us by visiting patreon.com slash heartlifenfp. And a special thanks to our supporting producers, Caitlin White, Bill Gardner, Steve Diamond, James Battle, and Anton S. HeartLife wishes to acknowledge that the land where we live, work, and tell our stories is occupied land. Unwell takes place in southern Ohio, which is the territory of the Miami people. Unwell is produced in Chicago, Illinois, which is the territory of the Peoria, the Potawatomi, and the Miami peoples. Notorious serial poisoner Deirdre Abernathy stayed at the Fenwood house for two nights in April of 1935. Fortunately, she was not allowed to cook dinner. Next time on Country Bickering. But that ingredient that expired in 1998 or was no longer legal to use in food probably was never legal to use in food because it was poison. Mm, I mean, I don't poison. know about you, but sometimes I like a little bit of poison. A little arsenic? A little I mean, arsenic. Well, I've been building up my tolerance to iocane powder for the past year, so. Anything's poisonous if you eat enough of it. It just says in some cases it's a very small amount. I was very interested in the the outro it was there was a little added information i was yeah the uh stuff about the 
Indians. Native tribes. Yeah, it was like, okay, that's... So I wonder if that's specific to something that they care about outside of the content of this, or is it tied into the story, you think, and where it's going? I'm a little bit dubious if it does turn out to be tied into the story, because this seems like it could be going some, ooh, Indian burial ground direction, that I'm kind of like, please no, don't. That first... <laughs> But with a diner involved. The first <laughs> occupied thing was a little angry. Mm, true. In tone. So I it might be something they're supporting or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. it sounded more like, uh, like philosophical a philosophical position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um wow. Uh that 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 was interesting. Um there were a lot of things that I think they did really well, but given that it's the folks who made our fair city, I'm not surprised because as we were commenting on before we started listening, they produced some pretty amazing stuff. And I think really all of the things that they hit well on that show, they're they're doing well here. The acting was pretty solid. The directing was good. The background music was amazing. But uh, don't you mean they did it unwell? Uh... I see what you did there. You see, because it's the name of the show. Yeah, uh, that, that was clever. Okay. In the first scene, I thought the audio was a little bit much, at least in terms of the sound effects, because I I feel like good sound effects, they tell you kind of what people are doing in a scene without them having to exposit it. But there was so much clanging of pans that I couldn't really figure out if they had moved, if they were doing anything. And what sounded like a dragging trash can almost overwhelmed the voices of the actors. So it made it difficult to actually hear what the dialogue was. Well, it was the dragging pans... Her crutch, that was one of the sounds. That was a crutch? There was a crutch in there. And I felt a lot of it, while done well, the sound effects-wise, produced well, they did. They didn't. They kind of muddied yeah. some of the scenes. It was oversaturated. Yeah. yeah, they made a real stylistic choice to constantly have noise, which I guess was the way of making up for the fact that this is an audio drama, so... You know, the instant a character steps outside, you can hear crickets, you can hear wind chimes, you can hear them walking on the gravel on the road and the cars passing. I also found it a little bit occasionally distracting because I was thinking like, oh, what are they hearing rather than paying as much attention to what they were saying? Yeah. But and it was an interesting choice. And the levels were all game. If they were background sounds and such, why weren't they like drop behind the actual speaking parts. Mm. Although they did that pretty well in some of the things like the diner scene, the background music there, which sounded just like music that would have been playing in the diner sounded authentically at that volume. Mm -hmm. No. And I, yes, I agree that like the music was done. Well, it was the sound effects themselves kind of were just thrust (laughs) Into the scene, it felt like. Unrelenting. I want to talk about the music for a second. Like the the solo they had for the banjerino? Was that the... Banjerine? Banjerine? Banjerine, right? It went on for That's a while. That's what they said. It went on for a while, and it didn't seem like it had a very specific mood to it. Like, I'm not sure that it was adding anything specific. It felt very out of place somehow, and I don't really quite understand why i think maybe because they didn't lead up to it well and you said this was the second second episode second episode so i'm just wondering because i felt that way with a lot of stuff with the characters and stuff 
Is it just the exposition of the story? Are we going to find out more why the Bangerine is more important that he plays or the diner is really weird? The the musical interlude was just at least twice as long as it should have been because it dragged. I feel like they should have made that the outro instead of then cutting into a different musical outro. Yeah, and then we went Western. I, I was very confused a little with that. But I liked all of the actors introducing themselves and the characters that they played at the end. That was a nice little touch. And the only problem with putting it at the ba- at the end like that is that I didn't really have the context at the beginning. But they did a fairly good job of introducing people right up at front. So, Well, that's one of the things that I mentioned, I think, before, is I'm thinking about moving our character lists, like the actors and character mapping, to the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just because it starts the episode sooner. And that's kind of more traditional for a lot of things is putting the credits at the end. Yeah. And the storyteller will say the characters' names when they're doing things. So it's not like you need to force somebody to say, hey, Lucy, what are you doing? That kind of thing. I guess it also allows you to be a little bit sneakier about which characters are showing up. It's true. I mean, at some of the scenes, especially the women, the characters, I felt I got lost for a second on who was who. So by that, you mean some of the voices were too similar? Yeah, were too similar and indistinctive, of, which is hard to do in a, in a cast. That, like when, when the three women were talking, that's when I felt that it was like, okay, is that Lily? Is that Dot? Or is that Abby? Uh, a few of those I, I lost. That's fair. No, I, I had um, a hard time keeping track of what was going on story-wise because it felt kind of like a day in the life of more than anything else. Like I didn't, I was having a hard time pulling out what the actual story was. If any of you guys got a better grasp of it. Yeah. It's like, I thought at times they're going for a horror and then other times it feels like a slice of life because they have a lot of dialogue that isn't particularly pertinent to the greater story going on. It's just kind of general chit chat, which is fine. Not everything needs to serve the story, but there comes a point when it just kind of becomes distracting more than it's, establishing the realism of the scene well i know the genre they gave us is um horror gothic so i think the tension builds um are they're leading to an actual horror element later on i just wondering if the first couple of episodes are kind of like building the overall tension and then they crash later on i I will say that as kind of confusing and a little off-putting as it was i do want to know what the fuck is going on in that diner yeah, the I... diner was intriguing, and I think the the other part that was made it seem like a, a series of vignettes was that now that I found out that the actors were making that scene change noise, the roll, are those the ghosts? That's strange. I really thought that they should have kept the diner for the end of the episode, though, just because it really didn't feel like it was building to anything as it was. And you should really, if you're having a horror podcast, have the creepiest moment sort of where it's going to stay with a viewer. Instead, it sort of felt like the creepiness peaked in the middle and then it just sort of trailed off and went back to normal. Or Or you could make it super creepier than it actually was so that it stands out at that moment. But it was just kind of like, oh, that's that's a little weird. Yes, that would have been optimal. <laughs> or did they make the diner the MacGuffin? Mm. That did not feel like a MacGuffin. No, I mean, if it is a MacGuffin, it's almost too good. 
Maybe no, I mean, I'm just saying it could have been the, it's weird. (laughs) Yeah, I wondered about whether it was some sort of red herring where it was actually, if only they'd eaten in at the diner, they would have been safe. The people at the diner knew what horrors lurked outside. Yeah. No, I I think it was more the people in the diner wanted something awful to happen to them that would have been easier to do if they'd eaten there. I just love that they walk in and suddenly it turns in, I was working in the lab late one night. It's just like, hi, different acting that seems purposefully overdone. Hmm, I didn't feel like that was overdone. I just felt like the characters were supposed to be especially creepy. It did have kind of a magenta vibe, though, Uh from Rocky Horror. Yeah, they're just over-the-top characters as opposed to the acting being over-the-top, I feel like. Yeah, I guess it just stood out to me because it was different than everything else we had been listening to. I think that if the other actors hadn't been speaking in such a normal voice, it would have been less clear that this wasn't just some kind of like, okay, they decided to go for a really over-the-top, unrealistic acting style. That's a choice. But instead, it was sort of more clear of like, oh, we are meant to notice a contrast here. Yeah. They felt like they were... Like they had long mustaches and they were twirling at levels of villains from like, you know, like a hundred years ago. Well, to go into like a totally different genre now that you said that, it feels like if you've ever played any tabletop role playing games, this was like the GM throwing the storyline at your head going, hey, pay attention to this. This is what you need to focus on. You know what? This this feels like a modern version of what is it? Deadwood? Hmm. Is that the RPG that's about the uh, Deadlands? Deadlands, that's it. Yeah, but I could, I, I could have. Now that you said what you said, it was a total like a GM moment. Going, hey, this is the storyline. You need to go do this adventure. Yeah, don't forget about this thing. <laughs> this is happening now. And then they're just like, oh, food safety, can't do it. Yeah, nice plot f- you have over there. Bye. The food safety thing was just like random. <laughs> that felt to me like giving an excuse to get out of there more than it was an actual concern. Like, this doesn't feel right. Um, Food safety. You guys don't have any food safety. I got to go. But then they threw it out the window on the way home. I just assumed that the restaurant looked really gross and that was not something they could convey in a sound effect. Mm, So mentioning the food safety is the closest you can do verbally or audio-wise. Because otherwise you could just have like fly sounds in the background. I think that would be the closest thing you could get to saying, oh, this place is kind of dirty or gross, at least audibly. Is that where the gnats and the flies were or was that a different part? That no, was that a different was part. road or woods or whatever. Yeah, she was walking over on the phone with her dad. Wait, that was her dad that she was walking with? Yeah, well, yeah. talking on the phone. Oh, right, on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I guess I'm having a hard time keeping track of the characters, too, a little bit. Well, it was very, it was, as we've discussed, disjointed, it felt like. The whole story itself, between jumping from scene to scene to scene, and that thing. Well, I, I liked that because it was a really clear indicator of, okay, we're somewhere completely different now. Scene transitions. Yeah. Yeah, but then you had to keep track of, you felt like you had to keep track of four different threads going on. You had an A thread and a B thread. That's not uncommon for a story. Yeah, that felt that felt perfectly fine. I, yeah. That wasn't the that wasn't the issue I had there. And actually, I really like the way that they're weaving things together. I wish that more things had happened in this episode. Um, I mean, I guess it's perfectly fine if you're doing like a couple of episodes of build up, and then you reap the benefits of that later. 
it seems like it would be difficult to become hooked based on just this episode, maybe another episode like it, because there's not enough, there's not enough of like uh, the main plot stuff in order to like really pull me in at least. Uh, Diana, you brought something up about the pacing I thought was really good. Uh, Could you expand on that? So I mentioned that I thought that the diner scene should actually have been at the end of the episode, just because that's sort of the oddest, creepiest moment in the episode. So you sort of want people, when they step away from the podcast, to be left thinking about it. Instead, because the podcast itself moved on and sort of went back to the more mundane plots and nothing ominous actually happened, and even all of the ominous noises sort of faded out, the emotional journey that the listener was taken on was sort of creeped out and very intrigued at the beginning, but sort of trailing off into like, yeah, nothing's happened in a while by the end. And I feel like if you want to capture a listener, you really want them to leave the podcast going, what happens next? Not, eh, that was a nice tangelo, tangerine, whatever it was solo. I was thinking with the banjerine, like if they wanted to kind of perpetuate the creepiness, they could have started like distorting it at the end or Mm. something to tell you that, oh, there's something wrong with this scene. Not all is as it seems. But so far, other than the diner, it seems like, and the transition sound effects, it seems like in the mundane scenes, there's not really that much creepiness going on. It's like very subtle if it's there at all, which subtle can be good, but. Yes, I agree with the diner being that it was just kind of out there. But also the cake scene. They could have done a lot more weird with that, but more explainable weird that either is mom going crazy because she left the cake in there. Did she put poison in the cake? Did she put poison or did something else start the fire of the thing? I think with the banjo, banjarine scene after that, Wes, who had been there, I guess, the longest and knew it was a local kid, he could have kind of dropped a little more ominous kind of, oh, yeah, it's okay, fine, because the ghosts are all here and da-da-da-da, or something of that nature of going, yeah, because it's really haunted here and this is just what happens. Sort of reminds me of people who will wear bells or such when walking through the woods so that bears can hear them approaching and get out of the way. And uh, just in case anyone was interested, I looked it up. A banjarine is actually a variant on a banjo. It's just a slightly higher with a shorter neck. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was a maybe a banjo and a mandolin mix. I was really hoping it's just a banjo made of tangerines. Yeah, me too. Well, that would have appeal. Uh, we're sorry for all you listening to that i'm not (laughs) come the audio drama showcase for terrible jokes in that last scene if they had tweaked it a little bit they could have had what what was the local kid's name wes wes they could have had him be almost like norman bates from uh psycho with that whole like oh she's harmless like she's a really good person i i just get Worried about her sometimes, like something. Yeah, like, something really kind of hint at it. Mundanely creepy. I, I feel. I feel like the the slice of this show that we're getting in one episode is not enough to properly judge the story, because the slice is still like a tension building thing, and that's like, that's like watching minute two to minute ten of the Matrix. Like you're gonna be like and, and try and discuss it. Yes, yeah, and it's like oh, this is clearly not a movie about like computers they're just like hanging out at a club 
following some white there rabbit. Like, like, is that a drug metaphor? Yeah. What isn't a drug metaphor? They're the last uh, series was what? How many episodes? Which one? This one? Yeah, the writer's last. Oh, a lot. It was probably six or seven seasons. Yeah, so if they're embarking on doing that again, I could see where this is. Slow burn. A slow burn, episodic. I guess they also might have enough audience retention from the old one that they can sort of that bring some of them in. Yeah, like they have the trust built that the people will listen to a few episodes before wandering off. That's fair. I mean, like, honestly, I like the other show enough that I would power through. It's not that I didn't like this. It's just, like I was saying before, it wouldn't hook me by myself. Like, I wouldn't listen to this episode going, oh, I need to watch. I need to listen to more of Unwell. But... I can see how going this could go to places that are truly creepy because they built the like the bed of creepy. Yeah, there was there was a good foundation set. Yeah, nice creepy foundation so they can build up some creepy walls and then uh get them uh get the creepy drywall hung. Creepy basement, gotta get the creepy basement in that creepy foundation. It is Ohio, so the water table should be low enough that they could build a creepy basement. <laughs> the only character I followed consistently was Lillian, and I didn't. I kind of related to her on some level and on another level, I thought, wow, she's just being needlessly argumentative and rude to pretty much everybody, at least at some point during the episode. See, I kind of felt I liked Abby. Yeah, Abby was good. Because she was still not of that little town world, but she had been there long enough to be like, yeah, it's kind of weird, but you know, you get through it. I think we need to do a commercial exchange with this company because I really liked the celery soda commercial. I know that's kind of a hard transition into the celery soda thing, but I'm just remembering how much. I, I know it sounds like a terrible thing to eat, but that's the funny part no, of the no. commercial. No, it, no. It doesn't sound like it is. I've had celery soda before. Oh, it's a real thing? Yes. Yeah. It's awful. I'm not surprised. I mean, it's definitely a Midwest thing. Uh, it's also popular in some Jewish delis. Do they call it celery pop? No. No, it's celery soda. But I see what you did there. <laughs> you sure celery pop isn't the name of one of the parents from Veggie Tales? Uh, no, it's one of the J-pop bands. So. <laughs> if it's an actual pop band from VeggieTales, I would listen to it. Celery Pop. Uh, but no, I really like their the um the commercial from that. It's it had the right cadence. The melody was great. It felt like a proper jingle. Um, it was nice and creepy. It was nice and creepy, and kind of fit into the scene very well and catchy. Yeah, it didn't sound like it was trying to be creepy. You could didn't imagine whoever composed this jingle being like, okay, let's get the creepiest thing ever. That'll be what gets them to buy this. It, But it did end up coming out as that over-the-top cheerful in the way that just turns creepy. It reminded me of either something you'd hear in Fallout or maybe Bioshock. No, it was definitely a Bioshock. I agree. Bioshock 1 especially. In, in, in inspired piece, there's still music from Bioshock that I hear other places and i'm like no oh, i can't listen to this because i'm about to get stabbed from somebody with a hook yeah oh um max is showing me a picture of dr brown's celery which sounds terrifying it, it is just their, their cream soda is hands down one of the best cream sodas i have ever had the celery soda is a nightmare an acquired taste i don't want to acquire that taste <laughs> ever Hey, at least it's not a celery cream soda. Oh. Cream of celery soda. I'm still trying to imagine like a soda called Acquired Nightmare. 
That's a good name. Come try our acquired nightmare. You'll like it after the 10th time. So did we want to take bets on what happens next? My vote is that the animals eat the burgers that were thrown out the window and mutate into something horrifying. Oh, that's a good idea. Or... So then it's a zombie apocalypse. Could be. And there were even some references to them leaving the door open to get the smoke out. So that's a good cha- time for well, some I, mutating. The monster was definitely coming in that back door. Mm. I, I think that the burgers were made of human flesh. So the animals will then acquire a taste for human flesh and go hunting. That sounds terrifying. I hmm. I don't know. I, I think I like the idea of it being like a, a Cronenberg kind of thing where they mutate into some kind of weird monster after eating the burgers or maybe they're just really terrible burgers so you just have like a bad gastro session on the toilet i just called that a session that sounds terrible so max i want to hear what your individual thoughts are um really i i think that i covered most of what i thought uh as far as the mechanic side of things other than the opening scene the background music and the sound effects were all very captivating i felt that I was drawn into the story with them. The performances all seem pretty solid, which also speaks well of the directing. The story itself, little disjointed, but we're coming in on the second episode. The first episode might've helped draw into that. And I'm sure future episodes will help tie up some of the unclear areas. But for the most part, Definitely very captivating, and if it weren't for the fact that it seems incredibly creepy and that's not my sort of thing, then I I would certainly listen to more. Diana? I thought all of the acting was really good. I thought that it had a good sense of increasing creepiness in the first half that unfortunately trailed off in the latter half. I thought that the latter half was a lot weaker than the first half. The choice to have the ever-present sounds was an interesting choice to make. I think it might have occasionally gone over into too much, but I kind of liked it as a stylistic thing. And the voice acting was really good, and I'm going to give a specific shout-out to that dad character who really made use of his script to talk in this radio announcery voice and platitudes that actually made him sound really creepy, too. That's fair. Um, what about you, Olaf? Well... I mean, like I said, it, I feel being that they had a large audience with their previous storyline, that they are banking on that in the building of this one. So as a second episode, it's a lot of exposition. Um, I agree with everyone else. The acting sounded really right on and very strong. Um, it sounded like production-wise, they were still getting some of their feet leveled out like with the sound effects i felt some of them were too a little too bright and and overwhelmed what they were trying to do and muddied up some of the speaking roles but all in all it sounded like a good start for a series that i could probably watch and or listen to some more and see where it goes maggie i've said pretty much everything that i think i want to say um when the Wes, you said his name was? Yes. When he showed up, I was kind of having this vibe of, if anybody's ever seen um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Like, right at the beginning, they come across this guy who's like a prophet or supposed to be the prophet from the Odyssey who gives him kind of a cryptic speech and then leaves. I thought that would have been cool if they had gone kind of more that way or, as I said, kind of a uh, psycho route. 
Um, most of the acting I thought was pretty good. Um, I wasn't as big a fan of the diner acting just because I thought it sounded a little bit silly. But otherwise, everything was pretty good. The audio was really good. I felt very engaged throughout the entire thing. And like I was kind of in the scene with them because I could hear all the sounds going on, except in the first scene where it just kind of sounded like there was too much going on. But yeah, I thought it was pretty good. It has the potential for some Stephen King levels of fear and draw. So I definitely would like to hear the next episode and go back and hear the first. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like my biggest problem with this is probably the sound effects. Sometimes their level was high enough that it sounded like another character. Like they were at the same volume level as the people were speaking. So when that sound effect is happening, either when someone's speaking or just after it made it difficult to understand what was going on. Like my brain was switching between too quickly, but otherwise, I mean, I enjoyed it. I kind of wish a little bit more happened, but I understand that this feels like a piece that's meant to be taken as a multi-episode kind of thing, not just an individual episode. So yeah, that's, it's my piece and I'm sticking to it. No, <laughs> it's too easy. Too easy. Yeah, that's fair. People Just have said easy. that about you before. Oh, what? Really? No. Good, because that's that's a problem. I'd have to take care of those people. Take care of those people? Or take care of those people. Oh. Bring them some Campbell's soup. So what Max is probably not aware of is that people can't see his hands to his forehead when he makes a gesture indicating that take care of means kill. I thought that was pretty, I thought that was clear in the way that I said it. But then again, I spent a lot of time growing up in South Philly. So that's what take care of. Your your face was very much a take care of face. That was a good job. Like I was very clear with your eyebrow game is very strong. <laughs> I, I would have to say that it's on fleek. Oh, you went there. I did. My soul hurts. You don't have a soul. This episode was brought to you by Slay BC. The home of Wrens, Bargain Bin Brides, and Doggy Hauser, M.D. Slay BC, only the best in questionable entertainment. That was The Diner, from the show Unwell. To find out more, go to www.unwellpodcast.com. This has been Audio Drama Showcase. For more episodes and information, go to www.legendsmithproductions.com. Thanks for listening. High five. We made it. Spoodle! Spoodle.